0: Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. Oh, you hear that reverb? You hear that reverb? That's not a costly plugin. That's not an effect. That's in real life because we're in a Mexican office. That's right. I'm on a Mexican radio, and I'm in a Mexican office where every, literally, literally everything's made out of concrete. <laughs> It's like a sound engineer's nightmare But that's not going to stop us Because I can talk down here And as you can tell, when I talk down here This is when things start to get real And the Fizzle Show is real That's exactly what the Fizzle Show is And today, we've got a real episode for you Corbett Barr, how you feeling today?
1: I'm feeling great
0: Ah, Love that about you Sipping on my electrolyte. Electrolite, Electrolite which is like... It's kind of like Mexican Pedialyte. <laughs> it's like Pedialyte. It's I think it's exactly like that. I've got my store brand uh, disgusting but delicious Frappuccino and Steph Crowder. What are you drinking over there, Steph?
2: Guys, I'm sorry. I just... I'm just drinking ice water. I don't have anything exciting to report on the drinking front. Just got a Wait, mason jar of water. What, what about your
1: fancy mug that keeps things at the Yeah, at aren't, you, aren't you embering away over there?
2: I know. I, you know what? Ember has been... By the way, I need to take... I've been waiting for you to bring this up, okay? I need to take a second because <laughs> I have found my people. I have gotten so many messages on Instagram and on Twitter from people. Some people have bought Ember because of this show. Not sponsored, guys, but there are, I, there are a lot of people out there who think I'm insane. I've heard from those people, too, who can't believe I spent $80 on a mug, but there have been at least 10 people who are like, you changed my life with Ember. So there you go. I knew it. I knew they were out there. Hey,
0: I'm glad you found some friends, Steph. <laughs> That's what the internet is for. <laughs> I'm glad you I'm glad you found some friends. That's the thing that your mother and I are so excited about is that you finally found some people oh, to okay. hang out with. And this, like I said, is the Fazzle Show. The Fazzle Show. Um, listen, quick introduction of the show in case it's your first time here. Uh, what we do is in-depth, honest conversations about entrepreneurial subjects for the modern-day entrepreneur. This is not like... Ancient advice that doesn't, you know, computer isn't relevant anymore. This is uh, up to date kind of stuff. A lot of the things we focus on is actually classical advice, but we're trying to r- modify it or modernize it so that it makes sense to you in the world of Instagram, in the world of Facebook Messenger, in the world of OrCut. Oh wait, never mind. OrCut's not around anymore. I got, I got in the world of, of Google Reader. No, oh, damn, that's gone too. <laughs> you know, um, the the thing is, is that you're an entrepreneur. You're trying to start. Your own business, or you're in the middle of starting your own business. You're looking for more growth. You're looking to get your business idea put together well. What you need is a little shot in the arm every week, a little bit of motivation, inspiration, definitely some education to help you get out of the mindset you might be getting stuck in, and to just sync up like, uh, like you know, Keanu in the Matrix. I know kung fu. You get to get the little little mind meld there with some actual entrepreneurs. So that's what this show's about. This isn't like the the, you know, we don't, we don't put this together super quick for you because we want you to kind of sit in it ob- osmosis style. And that's what happens when you. When you sync up for, for a lot of episodes, we've, we've got, this is episode 250 something, what, 54 right now, I think it is. Mm-hmm. So we've got a lot of episodes out there you can dive into. And if it's your first time here, I want you to know about our 10 best, what we think are the 10 most important episodes. You cannot miss these episodes and you can get those as well as several of our free guides. These are guides like the, the, uh, the business sketch template, which is your business plan on one page. Don't waste a bunch of time on it. We walk you right through through that in a free guide as well as others you can get that in the 10 best fizzle show episodes at fizzle.co slash toolkit all right that's our gift to you for coming by stopping by the show check it out you'll like our guides they're very helpful uh and if you don't then you don't like no skin off your back huh you get the email uh, and then you go like you know what i'm gonna unsubscribe from this email i don't like what you guys are doing you're putting out too much information it's free first of all i don't like that no such thing as a free lunch I'm not interested in that sort of thing. I, uh, I don't know why you're sending me these things. And you just click on subscribe. It's easy, right? Fizzle.co slash toolbox. I don't want to stop talking like this toolkit. guy. Toolkit. Fizzle.co slash toolkit. Uh, I should probably go ahead and throw that, uh, that that URL in there as well. Just in case. You know, I'm not going to stop talking like this guy now because I got to tell you something. I've done a lot of selling in my life, Corbett Barr. Have you? I could sell back in my day, Corbett, I could sell a ketchup popsicle to a lady in a white dress. I was so
1: good at this. You'd sell uh ice water to uh An Eskimo. An Inuit.
0: An, <laughs> an Inuit. An Inuit. An Inuit. I actually have been to Inuit territory. I have sold some ice water there. Okay. It was it was also it had crystal meth in it. It's a different story. Jesus. I mean ice crystal. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I get it. You're talking you talk about ice? I just took
1: a sad, sad turn.
0: Well, you don't need to bring in the fact that you now I'm sad. <laughs> I wasn't thinking on the sad level before. Okay, the accuracy
1: is a real point. F- point <laughs> being, point <laughs> being, you could sell so well that we just knocked you right out of that character. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the truth hurts. Huh?
0: But Corbett, what are we going to talk about today? I don't know. What do you guys feel what like talking about, Corbett? What do you want to talk about? Let's
1: talk about another sad story <laughs> while we're while we're on that topic. That's right. Something happened recently that that happens all too often. I I got a note from a fizzler. We hear from entrepreneurs, this happens all the time. Sometimes mm-hmm. somebody posts something in our forums or somebody sends us an email or whatever. Where you know, you're 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 working on your business, you're toiling away, you're trying to understand your customers, you're building your website, you're figuring out what you're all about and how you're going to make this thing work. Yeah. Until you realize you're getting a little too close to the end of your rope mm. and you haven't yet started making any money. Yeah. So,
0: so getting of- to the end of our rope means what exactly?
1: I mean let's let's say the end of your runway. Yeah. Right? Before you've taken off mm-hmm. and uh you're about to crash and burn. About to like, crash and burn like like the, the dream's done. The like dream's we're about done. to cancel. Like, you know, maybe because you're running out of money or uh you, you had an agreement with your spouse that you would work on this thing for mm-hmm. a year and you got to the end of the year and it's not working or, yeah. or whatever. And you know, things are things are, are done, basically. Yeah. But um there's a, a common thing that happens in this story, and it's that um Out of desperation at the very end here, people will throw out some sort of offer, some sort of try to sell something. Mm. They'll send an email out to their list or they'll email some influencers or post something on their blog or podcast or whatever and finally try to sell something, even though they hadn't before. And a lot of times that falls flat and it doesn't work out. You know, it's like a Hail Mary. Pass and uh, and it doesn't work out and and you end up losing the game because you waited till the end to sell.
0: Hmm.
1: So and and you know this isn't always you know that dramatic. It's not always that somebody waits till the very end to start selling something, um, not realizing all along that that's really what a business is. You have Hmm. to sell something if you want to make some revenue. Yeah. Um but sometimes people, you know, dabble in and trying to sell things from time to time and and it doesn't work out and and they just conclude that they're not good at sales or something's mm. wrong with their business. Yeah. So, I thought today we could talk about reasons why you might not be making sales. Yeah. Reasons why selling isn't working for you and um just cover some of the most common common points and I love having this conversation with you guys because um, people might not know, but Steph came from sales. Uh, she was at Groupon and was teaching sales teams actually about how to be more effective. Mm. And so she's got a great background for it. You, Chase, uh, were selling like really expensive websites for a while, mm. right? Yeah. And
0: well, uh, I don't know if you know this, but I have two children also, so <laughs> I had to do some selling to get involved in that exchange. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God!
1: Ooh, that was that was almost like a Barrett bomber. <laughs> Is it Djibouti? Right, <laughs> Caleb bomb. Yeah, a watch bomb. Watch bomb. Watch bomb for all for a throwback for all those. Yeah, long time. Keep listeners.
0: going. Keep going. All right. So
1: anyway, uh, and uh, obviously, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for 15 years, and, and we've had. Uh, I think we've served over 13,000 customers at, at mm-hmm. people. In the past five years, so we've done a lot of selling, and uh, we also have worked with a lot of entrepreneurs, and we've seen what doesn't work. And yeah. when people get themselves into a situation where they just either learn to hate selling, or it doesn't work for them, or yeah. they have to they have to throw in the towel because they couldn't make any revenue.
0: Yeah, yeah. To me, I think of I've seen several common mistakes that new entrepreneurs make, or sometimes entrepreneurs who've been entrepreneurs for a while. They just lucked out in the beginning. And they haven't really made that that mindset. Now, you touched on this briefly in, in what you were just talking about. And I think we should hit this harder before we get into these five reasons why people typically aren't finding success with the sales. It, it's, it's this point you made about it's almost like they, for, like they, they don't know that a, a business requires sales. Right you know what I mean yeah. like talk about that for a second well
1: i mean a lot of us come from unless we were in sales yeah in a typical business sales is probably completely shielded from you. Yeah. You know, yeah. most people are involved in customer support or in building the product or something like that mm. and you just kind of assume that the product sells itself or something or you know there are these these like loud people who wear like suits and and talk on the phone all day, <laughs> douchebags. We can call it space space. <laughs> but, but but you don't know what they do exactly and yeah. it, and it seems really foreign to you. And so when we become entrepreneurs, if we don't come from sales as a background, we really don't know anything about it, yeah. and we don't realize how integral selling is to any business, how important it is, yeah. and to the point where a lot of us can even kind of like brush it off because we, like you said, to use the the V yeah. word, right? Yeah. It's like we feel like those salespeople are yeah. are a different breed, and and we'd like to think that we can build a product that you don't have to sell, mm-hmm. right? That just like sells itself magically. And um, what we don't realize is successful companies out there hmm. all have selling happening, yeah. and they're damn good at it. They yeah. understand who their customer is, what their needs are, how to uh, tap into things that they want, mm-hmm. and to um, bring them around to the idea that your product might be able to help them and ultimately to make a case for why they should buy your product. Yeah, And uh, that takes either training or experience or um, just trying over and over again to get good at there's a bunch of reasons why yeah. people might not be selling, and we're going to cover five of those today.
0: Yeah, and but, Steph, I want to ask you really quick about your ideas on why selling is so important, even in modern internet-based businesses. But first, I would like to strike from the record, calling all salespeople douchebags. <laughs> I think that I, I did that on purpose because because uh, it's it's a kind of mental assumption or a stereotype that a lot of us make. I've been in those companies where I was the I was the project manager, and there was these two sales guys with the Plantronic earpieces walking around tossing like a hacky sack to each other <laughs> as they were like workshopping people on the webinar, giving high fives yeah. as they were making calls and stuff like that. They had a focus on money, and on, they were like sharks, right? They They, they wanted to make the kill. Like sometimes they would use that language. It's not uncommon for, for salespeople to talk about that yeah. language. I mean, one of my favorite movies of all time, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, is a piece of art. Uh, like an absolute, like one of the best movies I've ever seen in terms of script writing, all this stuff. And it just nails that that salesmanship, uh, that mindset. Dude, Al Pacino's character in there is awesome unbelievable highly recommend anybody doing a business to go watch that movie and watch it a couple times take notes with your favorite quotes and stuff like that but just just that to say we make this assumption that you have to be a douchebag or a a an a-hole or a little more aggressive Mm. a little more in order to make the sale i don't think that's essential at all now before we get into these five reasons why a lot of people are are losing their sales, they're not making the sales and stuff like that. Steph, you have such a deep experience in sales as the as not just being in sales, but also training so many people at Groupon to get good at sales, to get that sales mindset transitioning now into into being a website runner you see th- just hundreds and thousands of entrepreneurs who are trying to get people to download their ebook or purchase their product or this that and the other um, before we get into these five reasons why like what what do you think is is a, a i don't know what how do you picture sales in a modern business it's so
2: funny because i just never imagined that so much of my career would be built on sales for all the reasons that you talked about, Chase, all the stereotypes. But I will never forget before I started at Groupon and I was there for five years, like Corbett said, doing all things sales and eventually Running sales training for all of North America. Before that, I was my very first job out of college. I was an intern and I was a sales intern for a very small company. And the very first thing we did on the first day was watch Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Like that was part of my job. Mm. (laughs) And I remember being like, what have I done? Like, what? This is sales. Like, oh man, I was so nervous. Um, And it's funny now because even what I do at Fizzle, one of our most popular courses is customer conversations. We've talked about it a lot here on the podcast. And guys, like, spoiler. Spoiler alert, it is sales. Like we call it that, and it is about connecting with your customers. But at the end of the day, it really does come down to selling and understanding your customers so that you can sell. So call it whatever you want. Sales is just such an important part of any kind of business. And I would say in all of the work that I've done in helping people become good salespeople and learning how to be one myself, the number one thing that I I have found um, you need to spend the most time on. So for example, when I was training a lot of people, you might be surprised to hear that what we spent more time on than anything else was not actually the script or the words to say. People always come in and this is true in Fizzle too or in, in business coaching. People want to know like, what words do I put on my on My sales page? Or what words do I say that make someone say, oh, yeah, like that's what I, that's the thing that I want. So, but what's interesting is in all of the training that I've done, we actually spent the majority of the time talking about mindset and talking about the psychology behind sales and like what makes somebody buy in the first place. Like, what are the reasons why someone will trust one brand instead of another one? You know, there's just so much that goes into it. Besides just saying the perfect words. So that was that's kind of what I'd like to say, starting this conversation is that I think it's very typical to get into the belief or be led to believe that if you can just come up with the perfect way of saying something, I mean, how many times, understandably, have we seen entre- newer entrepreneurs, especially in the fizzle forums, like really hung up on exactly what words their sales page say? And of course, like copy is important, but It's really about like, are you capturing the essence of what people are looking for? There's just so much more that goes into selling besides the actual words that you use. And as such, as the person who is selling, it's really, really critical and really important to look at, it's all about your mindset towards selling. You know, so often you'll hear people say, oh God, I hate selling. I hate pitching. I feel so sleazy. Like that's not for me. When in reality, like Corbett said, every kind of business out there has to sell and it's all about how you choose to approach it. So, you know, there's a, a million ways you can look at it that make it feel so much more approachable. Like maybe it's more about connecting with people, understanding people, providing solutions, finding a fit, consulting. All of those. Um, I don't know. Like it's it sounds like just words, but it's actually a very powerful mindset shift when you can start to see your role as salesperson. Like that's probably a seat that you have to sit in in your business. It doesn't have to be like how do I hoodwink someone into doing what I want them to do. It can truly be about how do I connect with people? How do I really deliver something that's going to make them excited? So that's what I'd like to say before we get into the steps is like, this is so much about how you approach it versus feeling like you have to have the perfect pitch. It's so much more than that.
0: No, I love that. I think that's really important. You have anything to add on that before we get started, Corbett? No. Okay. So Steph, I want you to start us on this first one because I think it aligns really, really closely to what you were talking about there. This idea is that If you are selling with like any bit of desperation, you're dead in the water. Mm -hmm. Tell us about desperation in (laughs) sales because I think it dovetails really nicely with that idea that you're talking about about mindset of understanding that what you have is actually valuable to somebody else, is actually useful and and beneficial for them.
2: Yeah, it's funny. I have to laugh because one of my mentors, I've had some amazing mentors and, and one of them, a few of them had like Decades of experience. So they're older and and maybe come from that Glenn Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross uh, type generation. But one one of my mentors used to call this desperation breath. It's kind of cheesy, but it's also funny to imagine that you're, you know, like in a face to face conversation with someone and imagine someone is like selling to you and, and breathing. All over you, and it's like this desk, like You can you can smell it, you can sense it when someone is selling with desperation. You could like all of us have been in that situation. Maybe you've like many of us will say things like used car salesmen or you know Comcast people who pitch you. Whatever the case may be, imagine a situation where you have felt high pressure. That feels terrible on the receiving end. I think it triggers like the flight or fight or flight. Uh, mentality in our brain, it feels bad. It, it never feels good to feel like you're going to have to tell someone no. So when you sell with desperation, it feels terrible on the receiving end. It also feels really bad on the on the end of the person who is actually doing the selling. So basically, and I think this actually ties really well to some broader concepts that we've talked about a lot here on the show. And it's, it's, to me, it's it's the cornerstone of what we do at Fizzle is this idea that everything in your business is a hypothesis. We talk about that a lot. And the reason that that principle is so important is because it allows you to detach from the outcome. And this is the same goes for selling without desperation. If you are so attached to name, you know, name it in your business, um, you know, the the success of a product, how many sales you make, how much revenue you make, whether or not your business succeeds. If you are so so attached to that outcome. Um, your chances of success go down drastically because you stop being able to be creative. you stop listening it 's like your ability to take in new information shuts off because you 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 go into tunnel vision thinking to yourself, "I have to make a sale, I have to make this work and when you 're too attached to the outcome, you just lose sight of. Different ways of doing things. You lose that lightness or that ability to experiment and truly um, see what works and, and and treat it like a fun game. You know, when when you have that desperation, everything you do that isn't a direct sale feels like failure. So the first one here is just recognizing that if you are in a place where you're trying to make sales and you feel like you have to make this work and maybe you're firing off emails to people feeling like, oh my God, someone please click by. Whenever you have that desperate feeling, it's really important to take a step back and recognize that that's it's really not where sales come from. Maybe you'll get some low hanging fruit uh, with desperation and that's, that's certainly possible like warm leads and things like that. But when you're getting into the territory of truly nurturing someone from never seen you before to the no like and trust factor to ultimately purchasing from you, which can can take you know varying amounts of time, desperation is going to scare someone off before they ever even come into your ecosystem. You have to figure out how to um, t- to bring people in and make them want to be in your space. You know, I always think about dating in relation to sales. And again, maybe this is cheesy, but I think we've learned here on The Fizzle Show that I like analogies. It helps my brain. And I know a lot of people out there are like that as well. If you think back to when you were dating or maybe you're dating now and you're at the bar and a guy or girl is just like, you can just tell that they want to go home with anybody in the bar like how often do you really want to go home with that person never it's like it's it's like that person just gives off a vibe so it's important to recognize that in business the same thing is true you have to detach from the outcome and recognize that the sales process is probably going to take some nurturing and if it means like i understand hey you got to get paid you got bills to pay, you've got to support your family, even if it means finding another way to support yourself in the meantime, that those sales that you really want are not going to come from a place of desperation. It's just going to scare off too many people. So that's the first one is recognizing if you're selling from a place of desperation, it shouldn't feel desperate. It should feel more like authentic connection.
0: I love that. Love that, and I and I like that that uh, example a lot of being the person at the bar. Um, this is probably easier for dudes to uh, to uh, empathize with, maybe than the ladies. It seems like ladies can, maybe it's just different, but I, I think that's very common to to see the dudes at the end of the at the end of the night in the bar, just like like flies, mm. just these desperate little like like, hey, is, uh, is anybody here not exactly. with somebody?
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is anybody here not there?
0: Um, but that, and I hear what I hear in your, what you're saying, Steph. Is the sort of like the work around for this is to number one uh, recognize if you're selling with desperation. Number one, recognize if you have desperation, and number two, recognize like what is the element you're so you're so attached mm-hmm. to. It seems like to get out of the attachment to the result. This is makes me think of what I think of. Every time I think of sales advice, I think of you might you might not know this listener, but um, we have a membership community that's thirty five dollars a month or cheaper than that if you do like a yearly subscription to it that uh, we have courses we have community for q and a and and we have weekly coaching calls but we also have what we call founder stories. They're in-depth interviews with people who have actually made real businesses, right? And one of them that is just like a master, what I always called a master class on sales is with a guy called Chris Johnson, who's a friend of of the Fizzle Show and uh, and been around for forever. And he's just amazing at sales stuff. And in that interview, he goes into depth on that. And uh, I'll leave it there because I, I'll probably butcher some of his words on that. Um, but that sense of knowing you're gonna make the sale not to this person like i got i got 10 slots to sell i'm right. going to sell them right. right it might not be to you that's fine it's a, it's it's the a question of if this is like your desires high enough to need this sort of thing or not like i'm going to find a way to get these things sold now that isn't just mindset it's actual experience as well like i know i always sell out 10 Every time the yep. five years in a row. So yep. I'm going to get that.
1: But in the beginning, it is mindset. And, and, and that's, and you know, I think if you can make that shift from, from feeling desperate, like I need to make this sale to, I know these sales are going to come. I know this is a valuable product and it's just about finding the person for whom this is the right fit.
0: So I think there's some sort of mental... Oh, go for it, Steph.
2: Well, I was just going to add one more thing that's really important, just piggybacking off of what Corbett said, especially in the beginning. And maybe this feels touchy-feely for some people, but it's I have to say it because it's really important from my own experience and my own observation is you have to get into a place where you can be okay with the fact that if you don't make sales, like if you're pitching and it doesn't work out, that you don't judge yourself. Like You have to get to a place where you feel good about you and recognize that you are not going to die if you don't make this sale. You know what I mean? We have a, yeah. an, a like this this we have this ability to like catastrophize. Oh my god, I have to make this sale and if I don't I'm a loser and I fail. And you sometimes you just have to take a step back and be like, "You know what? Like I still have if I don't make this sale today, I still have an amazing partner who loves me. I still have an amazing family. You know, making sure that you preserve that sense of identity because I have found that our own identity gets really wrapped up in our ability to sell it. When someone says no to you or to your product, it feels like they're saying no to all of you. So one like quick way to detach, I have found is like take a step back and be like, whoa, okay, hold on. This is not my whole life here. It might feel like it sometimes, but it's not. If someone doesn't buy from you in that moment, it doesn't, it's not like a comment on who you are as a person. And I think for mm. be, for people who are just starting to sell that is that's one misstep that I think is very common
0: mm, love that okay, so the next one here, Corbett, I want you to talk about this is this idea and it, it dovetails nicely with this first one right if you've got desperation in your your practice of selling, the chances are you're not having enough practice selling mm-hmm. so this is the second element that that or mistake that people can be making is not. Practicing yeah. selling yeah. enough. Talk a little bit about this. Yeah.
1: This is a lot like the advice that we give to people who are starting a blog or a podcast for the first time, right? In our start a blog that matters course inside of Fizzle, we encourage people to set a goal, not for how much traffic they're going to get or how many, you know, email subscribers are going to get or something, but purely for the number of blog posts they're going to publish. Yeah. And we recommend people aim for a 100, mm. right? Because yeah. it takes you a long time to find your voice, to learn how to communicate with people, yeah. writing, um, to learn how not just to communicate with people, but to get them to take action on that writing. And a 100 seems like the number that most people start to go, aha, I feel like I know what I'm doing now. And unfortunately with sales... What a lot of people do is they put so much pressure on themselves. It goes back to what Steph was just saying about not judging yourself, right? People, when they first try to sell something, they feel like everything's on the line and that it's like a final judgment against them. And if they try to sell this thing and nobody buys it, it means that everything that you've done up till this point was for nothing Mm -hmm. and that it's a giant failure. And that's just not the case. You have to expect that, just like learning to be a good blogger or a good podcaster, in selling, you need a lot of practice. You need to try different things. You need to learn what resonates with people. You need to learn uh, good copywriting. You need to learn how to warm people up. There's all kinds of things that you have to put together. Yeah. It's a giant puzzle. And if any of those pieces are out of place, then the whole picture is not complete and mm-hmm. you don't get the sale. So I just encourage people, instead of trying once or twice or whatever, and then throwing in the towel and saying, I'm just not good at this, or yeah. it was a bad idea, you need to give it a lot of practice. And it's okay to to practice in a much shorter period of time as well. I think a lot of people feel like I need to space this out, I don't want to burn out my list, I don't want to annoy people. So you let months go by between trying to sell something. Whereas you could shorten that up a bunch and just get a bunch more attempts at the plate, you know, where you get to actually swing at the ball and see if you can make contact or not.
0: Mm, I love that. So, a lot more, uh, giving yourself a lot more attempts at this. Now, one of the things you mentioned before that I thought was really smart is this idea that people aren't using their social media content and their content in general Mm. as. Practice for selling more often. Tell me a little bit about
1: that. Yeah. Well, the role of uh, content marketing or, or direct response advertising, to use older school terms, is to get people to take action on something. That's the whole point of copywriting. And I think a lot of people approach a blog as just like a journal of my thoughts or something, mm-hmm. not necessarily as a way to, to, um, To strike a relationship with someone and then encourage them to take action. So if you do it properly, if you treat a blog that way, or if you treat a podcast as a way to try to get people to take action on, let's say, visiting a website or, um, you know, maybe giving their email address to you for some reason. Then that is in effect sales practice because you're getting better at the act of copywriting, of getting people to take action. So you can get sales practice before you even have something to sell yeah. just by trying to get people to do something that you want them to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's that idea that content exists to get people to take action, right? And making that shift in some people's heads, that's that's normally there's like a click there. A lot of people when they get started, like you mentioned, they're just like a blog is a journal or the you know, a lot of people think that a business is setting up your website right Mm -hmm. and getting your domain name and getting your social like names and stuff like that and having a style for your Instagram post and stuff like this, right? But it's not. Business is something that makes sales, and you might need a website to do that. You might need a brand to do that. You might need a voice to do that. You might need content to do that. But in the end, what every successful entrepreneur knows is that your business is dead in the water without sales. You might luck out and there just be some like early days stuff that you didn't even know you were selling and you find your way into it. That's awesome. But if you're going to make it a long term thing where you're going to, you're going to make your family's Dependent on the the income from this thing, you will learn how to get good at selling, at managing revenue, and things like that. So I love this point, Corbett. That we have to give ourselves practice at this. You know, I think one of the things, Steph. What what in your mind? Like what in your mind is one big reason why someone wouldn't want to be using their social content, their blog content, their podcast what's one big reason you think why people don't want to be practicing sales?
2: Mm, Yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the big reasons is because this is really interesting and I'm sure you guys see this a lot too, uh, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. So, so have you ever noticed the shift or in tone that you can feel in people when, let's just look, look at like Instagram, for example. You might see three photos, like if you're looking at their grid, they're like squares of, of different photos. And if you were to click on like three in a row, you would see photos of different things with like authentic captions, some storytelling. You'd get a sense of that person's voice. And then the moment they put up a photo that they feel like is intended to sell something, all of a sudden, the voice is like totally different. Have you noticed this? It's like, it goes from yeah, being totally. about like, Hey, you know, he, he, here's what we like did this weekend or whatever you've decided, like, however you're branding your Instagram. And then all of a sudden, when it's time to talk about a product, it's pitch, 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 pitch. And I think people have an idea in their heads of what a quote unquote sales post is supposed to be. So they hesitate to post those things because, I mean, it's this like self-fulfilling prophecy. They end up getting less engagement on those type of posts because it's not interesting. It's not their voice. It feels salesy. So then they don't want to do it again because they feel like they were crickets. Whereas in their other posts, when they were just being themselves and being authentic and connecting with people, they got comments and they got likes and they got uh, conversation going. And so then when they do a sales post, it's suddenly quiet. So the Motivation mm. isn't there. So I think that what happens is sometimes we, we, this is very similar to what Corbett was talking about with practicing is like we try once, we feel like it doesn't go very well, we put ourselves out there, and then there's a sense of embarrassment and public mm. embarrassment at that. So it's really, I think what we're talking about here is learning how to sell in a way that actually works that actually gets conversation going and that is effective versus like giving up the first time you do it because you feel like nobody responded to you and therefore you take that as a sign that they don't like your product and that might not be the case at all. It's just that you totally went and changed the tone of your voice in your post and it didn't really you know set people up to want to have a conversation with you. So I think that's one of the reasons I see is that we try it once and they you know no response happens, so then we figure that we must just suck at this and then we never want to do it again.
1: Mm,
0: Love that. I love that. So, um, the, the gist there is you don't have to change your voice to make a sale Yeah. and practicing with social content is a great exercise in this because when you practice, what I'm hearing you say, Corbett is when you practice this again and again, you give yourself a lot of at bats, a lot of swings at the bat. Um, what it does is it teaches you that thing that every successful salesperson has learned that sort of intangible thing you could read books on it you could take courses on it you could get reminded on it but one of the no matter what you're reading no matter what you're learning that from it's not going to become real until you take a lot of these swings at the bat right yeah.
1: and uh, just so that you don't sound like a desperate nervous wreck yeah you know like mm-hmm. how many people decide to start public speaking and get up on stage the first time yeah. and just crush it it yeah. doesn't really happen that way You know, you need at least a dozen attempts or something in a short period of time to start feeling the groove and to get better at it. And sales is no different. Okay.
0: I love
2: that. I have have just one more thing to add on to this because I feel like this is this is something that's very overlooked in the in the category of practice, especially if you are listening to this and you are going one on one with people. Let's say you're pitching coaching services or one on one services of some kind, and you're you know having some situation where you're you're having a conversation with someone and you feel like they're pretty interested. Let's say that they ask you to send a proposal and then they say no, and you're like, "Wait, what? Like this has happened to all of us, where you're you're really excited." they feel like a hot lead. You send them a proposal, they see the numbers or they see like the contract or whatever and they suddenly just say, "Oh, actually never mind. Like I don't think I can afford it right now." One thing that a lot of people don't do that can be incredibly powerful is ask for feedback. Like if you are early early mm-hmm. days in in actually learning how to pitch, like have the be, be humble enough to ask for feedback. If you can just and you don't have to do it in a way that makes somebody uncomfortable, but you can just write back to that person and be like, "Oh, hey, I totally get it. By the way, and be a little vulnerable. By the way, like I'm still kind of learning how I'm doing this. Like, can I get a little bit of feedback about why? Like, why did you end up not wanting to pull that trigger? And, and and don't be afraid to ask that because I've done this before, and the feedback that I've gotten, someone might be like, "Actually, like the proposal you sent me didn't really like help me understand how we'd work together." Things like this can be invaluable so that you can. Ask actually dust yourself off after someone passing this time around and strengthen your pitch for next time. I think it's such a missed opportunity when someone says no and you just kind of like go into the corner and lick your wounds. Have the guts to ask what, what, what you could do better for next time.
0: I love that. Okay, so uh, I've got the next one, which has probably been the story of my life as a marketer. But first, this episode is brought to you by Gusto or Gusto. Depends on, you know, what side of the equator you're on or whatever. But uh, the gist here is you can get three free months of payroll when you go to gusto.com slash fizzle. Now, Corbett, we use gusto to do our payroll. It is, to me, the best, one of the best examples of an internet company, a company that gets started to modernize this like archaic old way of Of doing things, namely in this situation, it's payroll. So give me one example of how Gusto makes payroll easier for you or makes your life easier as an entrepreneur.
1: As it happens, just yesterday, uh, an entrepreneur in Fizzle was mentioning to me that. He was about to hire his first employees. Oh boy. And wanted some tips, not only on hiring and finding the right people, but on just the process. Like, how do I make this happen? What paperwork? All this kind of stuff. And it was really easy for me in the first part of my answer to say, okay, first of all, you need to sign up for Gusto because you don't even need to consider the other alternatives out there. Yeah. They are garbage. Compared yeah. <laughs> to yeah. So don't even worry about it. Go there. You can get three free months with this li- link mm-hmm. that you just gave. And they will take care of all the paperwork that you need to mm-hmm. onboard someone and make sure that you have the right to hire them and pay them and so on.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and so they just make it so much easier. And that's a great place to be. I love when somebody comes to me and they say, I'm about to hire my first person. What do I do?
0: Yeah, I love that. Okay, cool. So that if you, listener, want to take advantage of that three free months of payroll when you start your first payroll that's when you go to gusto.com g-u-s-t-o.com slash fizzle f-i-z-z-l-e thanks to gusto for supporting independent business and the fizzle show all right y'all so the next one here what i've heard what i've seen is a little bit of a progression number one is like the number one killer of sales is desperation you're just you're impotent, completely impotent. Sending that email, making that call, everybody can you have just
1: desperation breath. You
0: have desperation <laughs> breath. So awesome. One of the greatest ways to protect yourself from that is take a lot of swings at bat, do a lot of practices, break yourself off from the attachment to needing a result here, or there, and or the other way. Know that like every op, every pitch that you put out there is not actually a thing, that is a dragon that gets created that's going to take you out and kill you, right? To learn that resiliency and that sort of subtleness of like Steph's talking about being, sales is more like starting a conversation than it is like putting together the ultimate pitch that like people can't say no to, right? right? So a lot of practice at that, that's our second one. Now, one of the things that has been uh, so indicative or central to my life as a marketer and a writer is this one. Some of the re- one of the reasons why you might not be making any sales is that you haven't aligned your offer with their existing desire enough, mm. right? If you've practiced a lot, if you're practicing a lot, this kind of tends to work itself out over time, but a lot of entrepreneurs aren't practicing very much. So, one thing you can do is make sure and do some work to align, I use that word very intentionally, to align your offer with their desire or intention, okay? Now, the lesson to learn here is that if you are not tapping into a vein, a desire, an intention that already exists in your audience, then you will not be successful. A lot of entrepreneurs make this huge mistake. What do they do? They try to educate a market into a sale, They say, here's why you need to be doing green smoothies. Here's why you need to be wearing these yoga pants. No, no, no. If they don't know about green smoothies, if they don't already want the healthiness that comes from that kind of lifestyle, if they don't go, if they're not already desiring a healthier lifestyle with less of a mess, less time, easy to do to get all these vitamins and nutrients in me. If they don't already want that, then you are, you're lost, right? What you have to do is find what they already want as it relates to your offering and align your message with that, right?
1: I think a lot of times you just have to think about what would this person be typing into Google to start their search?
0: Yeah. It's intention. That's what all SEOs have called it is intention. We've been talking about that on the web for forever as it relates to keyword searches in Google. Right. What is the user's intent? Yep. Right. And Mm -hmm. that's exactly right. Thinking about what they're typing into Google specifically is a totally helpful mindset. And I mean, I don't, I don't go very deep in terms of SEO understanding, not like, in, in terms of like keyword research, right, you can do some YouTube searches, learn some something about keyword research almost across the board. What you have to do is you have to purchase uh, some product that will give you access to some of these numbers and you give you some sense of like how many ter- what, how many times this term is being searched for versus this term versus this term there 's some free tools that Google has in their AdWords suite. I don't want to bring up a rat hole for you to just get lost on. It's a perfect example of the kind of thing an entrepreneur goes and like goes, all right, I'm going to start up my business as soon as I learn a little bit more about keyword research. Right. And I'm like, you know what, let that go. No, but I do. I will say that making yourself uh, aware of that idea, what are they searching? What do they come to the web with? Google's just got a blinking cursor there and they're searching for what? Like, how do I get more nutrients in my body?
1: Yeah. And and without getting like stuck in the um, the keyword research or whatever. Right. I think the the better approach is something we talked about just a couple of episodes ago. We talked about yep. this customer journey map. And you actually put together a really great free guide for that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What what episode was that, Steph? That's like two fifty, I think. Something like um, that. Steph?
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Two fifty
0: one, 251. Okay. It's episode. So you can go to fizzleshow.co slash 251 because that one actually has a free guide associated with it. We walk you through what we call the customer journey map. And what it is is a simple exercise that it, like it's a simple exercise. A baby could do it, Corbett Barr. Um, and it, but it gets you into the mindset, gets you to walk a mile in their shoes, so to speak. And when you do that, now you can speak the common language. Now you can put together a social media post, a sales page, a headline for your blog, a topic, a content strategy or whatever that might have a better chance of actually resonating with people because you've aligned your offer with their intention, with their existing desire. So I'll leave that one there because we have a whole episode on that at fizzleshow.co. Fizzleshow.co slash
2: 252. Sorry, put correction, 252. Yes.
0: two five two so that was just like two episodes ago. yeah and that's solid stuff as being i've been a marketer for almost like for like i think i think a decade i don't know i keep just waiting until i can actually say a decade yeah and i've been wanting to say it for forever and it's like but i wasn't a professional marketer a decade Ah. ago you know what i mean but there was just like but i've been marketing for a long time we've been hired by a lot of people to do stuff uh this is one of the most important things you could possibly do, Mm -hmm. is learn how to align your message with where they currently are, and then it's making that pitch, giving them what we'll talk about next, which, Corbett, I'd like you to talk about, giving them a reason to buy right now. This is, I think... One of the most important things. So if you've aligned your offer with their existing desire, right now we can talk. We can talk because we're like that's where they're getting some interest. The conversation started. Yep. But then you have to actually give them a compelling reason to buy right now. Talk about this one. Where where do people
1: mess up on this one? This this is something that I will talk about every time we bring up sales because mm-hmm. it's really important. Um, some people might refer to this as scarcity or uh, some sort of uh, time-limited offer or something like that. The point being, if you put an offer in front of someone and you're asking for a sale, but there's no specific reason why that person should buy now, there's no special part of the offer for them, then if the need's really strong, they might buy it because they need to fill that need. But If they're kind of on the fence, then they're more likely to say, "Uh, "I'll think about it for a while," and then they go off and and uh, get back to their life, and they forget about the thing that you work so hard to uh, the conversation that you work so hard to start. So instead, you need to give people a compelling reason to buy now. That could be a discount. That could be a something extra that they get if they purchase by a certain date. It could be like in the case of Fizzle, it could be an extended trial. If you go to fizzle.co slash try five as a podcast listener, you can get a five-week free trial. And the reason we do that is because if you go to that URL, you're getting something special. There's a reason for you to buy while you're on that page because you can get, you know, something extra. Yeah. So you just need to make sure that you are giving people not just the case for why your thing is so great, but also the reason why it's great and they need to make a decision on it right now.
0: Yeah. I love that. And this is another one where we've got a whole episode that gives you ex- like three steps to get your message on point about why they need to buy right now. Okay. So that is fizzle co slash two, four, two. So fizzle show number 242 is making the sale three essential ingredients to get customers to buy right now. And, 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 you know, we, we talked about this before we got on the, on the horn here that this is like the, the probably the third, uh, I guess it's it, We, we did sales only about 10 episodes ago or something like that. We talked about sales again, but this is one of those things that is really helpful to keep getting, keep getting that refresher course in. So we talk about it because we notice that it's still something that it's easy to have a deficiency in. Yeah. It's something that's easy to have like a, a kind of, uh, um, uh, what is it? What is the word I'm looking for? An avoidance of. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. You know what I mean? It's not the thing that we all do. Right. So, um, so anyways, 242 is the episode you can go to get into that one. Now, Steph, take us home with this last one here. The question is, uh, or the last, the last element here is you're not elevating from elevating stories from your customers enough. Tell us about how important it is to elevate these stories of your customers.
2: Ah, oh, This might be my favorite tip. I'm so excited to talk about this because I feel like it's one of the quickest, easiest, best ways to take that pressure off of yourself. So if you're feeling that pressure, that desperation, you really want to make sales and you just have such an aversion to it and it just feels so like just so much resistance. It might be a sign that you have some a really easy opportunity to, to take the pressure off of just you. The cool thing about, I think, what we all get to do as entrepreneurs and especially online entrepreneurs, we get to tell stories from our customers. We get to shine a spotlight on other people who we have helped, which can be so useful. I think we've talked about this before and it's, it comes as no surprise that social proof is absolutely key to making a sale. How many times have all of us gone on Amazon and looked at the reviews, Yelp to check out the reviews of a new restaurant or something like that? We all take we put a lot of stock in other people's experiences. So if we can do do the very simple work of, you know, telling some of those stories from our customers, it can go such a long way in enriching the, the sales conversation that you're having with your audience. We've talked a lot in this episode about authentic sales, you know, having it be more like a conversation, being more subtle. Like Chase said, this is a very subtle yet powerful way to allow someone to start to envision what it would be like to work with you. Now, if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, cool stuff, that's great, but I don't have a customer yet. I've never sold anything. There are still awesome ways that you can do this. You know, For example, we've got, I'm just going to use Fizzle as one example. One of the things I love most about our community is our forums where people are in there helping each other, weighing in, um, creating connections. If you help someone, even just in a way that's free, you weigh in on someone else's problem and they write back and say, wow, thank you so much, that was so helpful, why not see if you can get a couple sentences worth of a testimonial from that person? Maybe you're in some Facebook groups and you weigh in on something and you feel like you helped someone along. Uh, if you have an opportunity, just ask someone, hey, can you write a couple sentences about how I helped you? So many different ways you can use this. You can use it in your uh, email newsletter. You can use it on social media, on your website. Just telling those stories of what you did from for, for, for other people from their actual words I think it takes the pressure off of feeling like we have to be the ones to come up with everything. So that's my like easiest, fastest tip is just lean on other people, whether it's your paid customers, uh, people who've bought your services, or just friends and peers that you've been able to help along in the process, getting just a snippet from them and then using it to tell the story of what your product can really do.
0: I love that. That's such a great example because, or such a great, uh, like I don't it's more than a tip it's almost like it's a it's a it's a strategy thing. it's a strategy it's a total strategy I was talking to someone in a Fizzle Friday this past week if you don't know we do these group group coaching calls every week for Fizzle members and um Fizzle.co slash try five, fizzle.co slash try five. If you want to try that out, (laughs) Uh, they're really, they're really helpful for people. Um, and one of the guys, he's, he's putting together a new offering. I'm like, well, listen, what you need, all you need to do for the sales page is get to the point where you can go, here's what I did for Sally. She started, she hired me. We 10x'd her marketing revenue, right? Oh, look at this. Here's what I did for Bobby. He started working with me. We 20x'd his, like you just, that's all you need to get to is show what the honest, or if it's honestly, if it's two or three X, then that's what you can do. And that's what, that's still valuable. That's a return on the investment. When you can show that you've done it and that you do it every time. Thinking about our friend here in uh, Mexico, Corbett, and I have this friend called Doug, who's uh, an acupuncturist, Chinese medicine guy, right? And <laughs> talking to i'm helping him think through some stuff for his website just because he's a buddy and and what's so amazing about what this guy can say he's like no no if you have plantar fasciitis if you have an elbow a tennis elbow thing if you have sore lower back if you have a kink in your neck like no i i can absolutely fix it like i can fix it i can fix it the question is if you're gonna have a kind of habit that's gonna make it come back again (laughs) in you know another week or days if that right so uh but that confidence that certainty that he's like dude i've worked on thousands i've worked on Thousands of bodies, almost tens of thousands at this point of bodies, and I've fixed this thing thousands of of times. Like I don't, I haven't, I haven't worked on a single tennis elbow where I didn't, I didn't help it immediately. Like right now, yeah, you know, and it's like that kind of thing where it's like, dude, that is such an like effective thing to sell to say to someone who has tennis elbow, (laughs) right? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, Um, so
1: that 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 relates back to. Just sharing results. Yeah. And, and it's best if it can come from someone else's voice. Yeah. You know, I saw Doug and I was in like terrible pain and I, I had had this problem for two years mm-hmm. and he fixed it in one 30 minute appointment. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's like, oh, well, I want that. Yeah. You know,
0: totally. Totally. Love it. Okay. So, guys, listen to this. If you're not making the sales, if you're not making enough sales, you might be struggling with a handful of these elements, these five elements. Number one, you may be selling with desperation breath. Okay. <laughs> Number two, To get over the desperation, you need to be practicing more pitches, practicing more salesmanship, practicing more of these at-bats so that you can get less attached, less weird and clingy and desperate and needy about these offers and these pitches and these sales that you're trying to offer to people, right? Number three you might have not aligned your offer with their existing desire enough. You can go to fizzleshow.co slash 252 for a deep dive on aligning your offer with their existing desire. Uh, number four, you're not giving them a reason to buy right now. You need that compelling reason to, to buy now, otherwise it turns into, uh, let me think about it, and then you'll never hear from them again. That kills so many sales. And then number five, you may not be elevating stories from your customers enough, right? This is a simple way to, to provide that data, that trust, that feedback to the person who, uh, who you're trying to, to convert and make the sale with, that what you do works for them. So those are five elements that if you, if you implement these, you're going to have a strong foundation for sales, right? Do these five things and it's likely that you will be making more sales. Corbett Barr, Steph Crowder, anything else to add before we go, Steph?
2: No, this was a good one. I hope people like it. Uh, I feel like we get asked a lot about sales, and I feel like this will be a really helpful one.
0: Perfecto. All right, guys. This is episode 254 of The Fizzle Show. You can get all the show notes and links that we mention here when you go to fizzleshow.co slash 254. That's fizzleshow.co slash 254. If you like this episode, maybe you know somebody who needs to hear this message, do us a favor and share it with them. Just share them a link to, to that blog post or tell them about what episode and how to get in, in their podcast app. We love talking to more and more and more people. It helps us keep the show going. Um, other than that, you know, we're going to be starting up a Patreon. I don't think we're going to announce it here on this one, but mm. pretty soon there's going to be a way for you to support this show just because you're like... I want to support the show. I want to be a part of it. We might be doing some Q&A type stuff over there. No promises, but look for that coming up maybe next week. Uh, And that is it. That's it from Mexico and Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky. Is that right? Kentucky? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Kentucky. Kentucky. Like it's in (laughs) one of the best ever nomenclatures for the mullet the kentucky waterfall oh that's true (laughs) that's a good one it's the kentucky waterfall man i love it so that's it from us for this episode uh big love to you guys find care take care serve hard and dig in and uh thank you so much for being here and listening and we'll talk to you next week on the fizzle show bye-bye